calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, it's the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the wellness industry, episode 88 today. One-a-day vitamins are a scam, yo. Pretty direct with that title, right, Dana? <laughs> yes, extremely direct. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. Um, it's a special Friday in my house. It's the triplet's 11th birthday. Friday wait, are 13th. you serious? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so oh, wait, I think we knew this because it is also my birthday. Really? We have uh, similar birthdays. So <laughs> isn't it great? It was a special Friday the 13th for us, and now it is Friday the 13th again. So uh, yeah, and if you didn't know already, I have triplets. <laughs> um, that wasn't natural. That was made in a doctor's office. But yes, I have uh, triplets and they are 11 and they are, you can't even tell that they're triplets or preemies or any of that other stuff. So uh, we had a definite wild ride. I remember my wife was so big. She was atrophied. She was on bed rest. She went oh to the God. hospital for basically the last like two weeks of her pregnancy. And I just remember being like, I I'm just going to stay up and work because it's not like these kids are coming. You know, so I stayed up to like one in the morning and then five o'clock. She's like, oh, my God. And uh, we had like a 30 person operation. Like they had like basically four or five OBs working on the C-section to pull out all these kids. And then each kid had like three nurses. Um, and it was just nuts. There was just people freaking everywhere. And we couldn't even really get close because it was H1N1 at the time. So. Oh, wow. So we had to like take picture. I took real quick pictures. My wife couldn't even see the kids until later that night until they were all settled in at the NICU and then nobody could visit. So people came by and like Aaron's just recovering and I have to go like socialize with people outside of the hospital, you know, because they're all here to, you know, visit and stuff. So, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> it was a, it was a crazy day. They stayed in the hospital for about 40 days and then came home. Like Ava was home the day after Christmas. Everybody else was home before. So but happy birthday, kids. Happy birthday to them. Yeah, and happy birthday, Dana. That's awesome. Thanks. Yours isn't as memorable as theirs, but whatever. So, uh, come on. How many times do you turn 41, okay? It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll just hop right into it. Um, I always would love if you would share this podcast with other folks. Check out the blog at woodstockvitamins.com. Give us nice little starry reviews. Lots of words typed down uh, so people know how much you love us. So thank you very much for everybody who's submitted questions or feedback on the podcast. It's really great to see uh, people like this. So I'm just going to keep kind of rambling on for, uh, you know, until until I'm done talking, which will probably never happen. <laughs> that's a good plan. Yeah. So uh, we'll just jump right in. Let's talk about COVID because that's not we, you know, we don't get enough of COVID talk these days. Um, oh, so true. <laughs> I think that, you know, besides the fact that we're heading for a dark, dark winter, like how dark, uh, so dark that we uh, will have about 2,500 deaths a day uh, is the estimate. 25 to 4,000 based on the current caseload and like how basically we're not going to be able to put a lid on this unless we locked everything down and everybody wore a mask, but nobody's there, you know? Um, yeah. here in the, or I guess I should say seeing the grumblings on Facebook about, oh, well, we don't know, but nobody talks about flu anymore. And like flu numbers aren't, aren't even real. People don't get the flu anymore. And I say it like that because I'm 
sick of being positive all the time to those <laughs> folks. So I feel like this is my, my people that would listen to this so I can kind of say it. But yeah, of course, flu numbers are down because we're not going near each other. We're not leaving the house. So you're not going to have the flu circulating. Exactly. I can't believe how many people are not like all, all they're looking at is results, not cause and effect. And that's, you know, purposely, purposely to make their argument sound right. But really, they're just sounding like idiots. Right. You know, um, one of the things that can be said about that, uh, I was just reading a paper that said that the incidence of some respiratory diseases will balloon up once we remove the restrictions, which is essentially, it was a lot of the anti-mask sentiment early on was around this concept of it's our immune systems are going to get weaker. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, if that really factors in, but essentially imagine if like two-year-olds up to age two, you know, (laughs) zero-year-olds, one-year-olds and two-year-olds will, you know, like 10 kids will get RSV during a season, right? And let's just pretend that it's COVID and everybody's got a mask on. So zero of those kids. So normally it's about 30 kids every year, but now it's zero. Well, when we take the masks off, the kids that were exposed previously aren't going to be exposed. So we have the 30 that we would normally have plus the 30 that we missed, right? So (laughs) that's kind of what the sentiment is. Like, I don't want people to read those kinds of articles and be like, Oh, see our immune systems are getting weaker. Um, and again, I'm not too sure how that factors in. It's really has more to do with the incidents. Like, you know, if 30 people would normally get sick that don't, and they haven't built immunity against that thing, they're still going to get sick and they're just going to get it all at once. So it's a note for the back of your head when this is over in four years, (laughs) that we have to take our masks off, slowly build back the norm that we're used to just because we will have this kind of like bubbling up of some respiratory diseases that were kind of tampered down during COVID. So just a little note on that. Um, The vaccine stuff, man, that looks good, right? That is very exciting. And I'm sure everybody heard about the two reports. The bigger one, of course, is from Pfizer, and they are 90% effective. And then out of Russia, we have Sputnik V, which is supposedly 92% effective, but Russia's uh, trial group is much smaller. And also, you know, Russia lies sometimes. Yeah, is, so isn't Sputnik V a spaceship? Like, are we talking about the same thing? Um, I <laughs> they think- just love that name, I think. They name it. <laughs> They name everything that the important thing to know is that mean potato. The important thing to know about this 90% number that's kicked around is just a very, very, very preliminary report. Okay. Yes. It's a very, very preliminary report out of Russia that, uh, and okay, let me just do the whole thing again. It's a very, very preliminary report, uh, from these companies that, and it's not even like all 40,000 people that got the vaccine. It's like 90 people. So, yes, exactly. So we have to take it all with a grain of salt. But, you know, that information, like Dr. Fauci, the guy that looks at this stuff was saying, if we can get 50, 60, 70 percent, we'll be good. So to see that it's so high, that's really great. And hopefully it will produce the same type of immunity that we're seeing folks are getting, which we now can confidently say is about six months out. The T cells are being built up. So it's looking good. Right. And yes, I keep getting the question now, when am I going to get the vaccine? Are you going to get the vaccine, Neil? You're going to be able to give us the vaccine. So no. (laughs) So anybody that's getting the vaccine early, which is going to be a limited 
scope of people, you know, a limited supply Mm -hmm. is going to be produced about 3 million doses, mostly for the first responders, the doctors in the hospital and potentially nursing home staff. That's going to be done entirely by government run clinics. Um, Right. I think that people will get the vaccine around June or July, and that'll probably be a good estimate. So if it happens to come out before and it happens to be accessible, that's great. The majority of us should really, you know, bide our time until June or July. The, um, if it comes out and is available at the community setting, you're probably not going to get it because you're probably not 80, you know, it's, it's going to be prioritized towards people that are higher risk. So exactly. So we're going to still be masked up for some time after. So even think, think that you'll be wearing your mask Christmas next year. So yeah. For sure. I, I hate to, well, I mean, I, I love to be right, but I hate to be all doom and gloom about it. But among my small circle, I was telling people like, this is our life, at least for the next two years. And that timeline is proving to be correct. Yeah. And so I'm going to state, as I'm sure I have publicly on this show a few times, once again, I was right. Everyone should always listen to me. <laughs> Except about the weird smells and deodorant stuff. Don't listen to her about that. I am not wrong about that. <laughs> so I want to. You con- just don't want to hear it. <laughs> I definitely don't want to hear it. Um, so conceptually, I want to reiterate something for the listener's own purposes, but then for spreading this messaging, it's going to be important because we're, the vaccine is becoming more real. Yes. The reason that this vaccine is rushed, quote unquote, isn't because they're cutting protocols or or cutting corners, essentially. Right. They just got rid of all the red tape and they've gotten all the money in the world and they have existing tech and, you know, existing information from SARS and MERS before it. And there's like 700 companies and governments and everybody's working on it. So that's why this is happening so fast. The trial phase of it is happening at around the same pace as ever. It's just they're happening like kind of concurrently, right? So I would say that it's important that you understand that, you ingest it, you digest it, and then you vomit that back out on everybody that uh, says otherwise, because that's going to be the next step. I believe that the anti-mask crowd guaranteed is going to be joining forces with the typical anti-vax crowd. Yeah. You know, For sure. And, you know, at a certain point, there's no point to have rational conversations with people that are unwilling to hear it, you know, but mm-hmm. there's plenty of folks that are going to be on the proverbial fence. And at the end of the day, they're just, you know, really fearful. You know, they may not admit it. It's really a fear based thing that kind of puts them on that fence. I, I'm sure everybody's a little bit apprehensive about this. So anything that would reinforce the fear, even to the slightest, is going to push them right over. Yeah. So I would 100% argue that most of the fear that people have is a result of years and years of misinformation or even like as we talked about irresponsible engagement with the information in the past. You had pointed out last week the maturity, right? There's a maturity Mm. that's required to engage with information like this. Um, So you know, like trying to address the irresponsible engagement or the maturity is not the best way to reach people. (laughs) Like that's not how you do it. So people are making irrational decisions based on emotions where are going to respond better to you if you empathize with them first. Right. So I hear you. I get it. I understand how you feel. Do, can you elaborate? How does this make you feel? 
Why does it make you feel that way? What do you think is going to happen? And what is that fear or that feeling based on, right? And the big one that you can do to help people out with this is what would make you feel better about the entire situation? So when I talk to folks that come to me with the vaccine fear with COVID, I, that's exactly what I say to them. What would make you feel better about what would make you feel more comfortable in this situation? Oh, well, if they had, you know, lengthy safety testing, well, okay, I can prove that here's X, Y, and Z evidence to show that the safety testing is the same as ever. And there's really nothing that could potentially be harmful for people. Right. And, oh, okay. And then they actually start to feel better. doesn't mean that they're completely off the fence, but it means that they have less fear about it. So I think that it's important for us to know how to engage with that. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking about dem demographics right now. And my big concern is the African-American community who is leery because of the Tuskegee trials, you know, like 100 years ago, or yeah, I guess by now it's 100 years. Um, I, I'm very, very concerned because they, uh, by and large, are at a higher risk to catch COVID. And, you know, the if they were to deny a vaccine also, it just would reinforce that and you know like when right now when we're all well i guess half of us are crying for for unity i hope that you know if if any if we have because we don't get, as far as our listeners go we don't get um race demographics we have no reason to but if we have african-american listeners who are you know like if people are like that in your family or in your community like just implore them that we're all taking the same vaccine and we just want everyone to stay safe and healthy. And, you know, like that, I just, I, I hope I don't sound like I'm up on a, a, you know, on a soapbox or anything, but that's, that has been like a lingering concern for me. Like, just please everyone that we're all taking the same vaccine. Don't be afraid of it because of stuff that happened a hundred years ago. Although I can totally understand why you would be. Yeah. There's a lot of unnecessary fear that it's circling around here and trust issues. And, and, you know, one thing I always say is I empathize with anybody that doesn't trust the system. Right. Yeah. So I get it. All right. So I've got this thing that's batting around my head a little bit, actually just a little bit like Batman, I would say just flitting around the bat cave there. Um, you know, I'm developing our vital five recommendations that we have, like take these five supplements into an actual program that we're going to promote explicitly. And I'm redeveloping the individual products to be, I guess, most likely to be used to try to get people to take them more, you know, to make them make it more compliant for people. Mm -hmm. And the pushback that I often get with any of my recommendations is that this is just too much stuff, right? There's too many pills. And so if you look at, we've talked about prenatal stuff here, but I'm going to just talk about my prenatal regimen. So we've got the vitamin component, which is two capsules a day. We've got the folate for, you know, neural tube defect prevention, which is one capsule a day. Uh, pregnant women need extra vitamin D, 2000 units. So that's a soft gel. And then they need the high dose omega-3 in order to have the benefit for their brain and the baby's brain, three soft gels a day. So you're yeah. talking about, uh, I can do the math, right? You're talking about seven dosing units every single day that they have to take. And they're sold on this notion that you can just take a prenatal vitamin and have enough, right? And, you know, even with the vital five, we're talking about multivitamins, that's two capsules. Omega-3 is three soft gels. Probiotic is one capsule. Bone support is six capsules total, plus a vitamin D soft gel, 20 grams of powder. And that ends up being 14 things plus a scoop of powder. So that's a lot, you know? And mm. I... 
I agree that conceptually that's a lot. Um, but I believe that there's this narrative that supplements can be simplified by finding a one size fits all type product and it will cover all your bases. I think that's the bigger problem here because technically 14 isn't a lot. That's, that's actually minimum, you know, um, technically we could bring it down to a little bit more, but basically the sentiment's the same. Most of our beliefs here are based around the myth of the one a day vitamin, right? Right. And you know, a little history about this. So the company that does one a day literally made this crap up, right? They, this is a marketing campaign for them. They, they, they said, you know, let's give people one simple pill a day and you'll get all your daily nutrients. And that was the cornerstone of their marketing. And that was very desirable to people because they truly believed that it was like space food, right? You take one pill and you're good. You don't, you know, you can eat like crap because you're getting all the nutrients that you need, even if you're not. So, so that desire, that marketing is so substantial that it's following us decades later but it just manifests itself a little bit differently these days, right? Oh, you can take one pack or you can take one thing, you know, that that kind of a thing. There's mm. no science to back any of these claims up at all. And especially back in the 50s when this first came out, there was definitely no science there. <laughs> the heck you say? No science <laughs> behind marketing? <laughs> so, and like, you know, when we do have science and apply it, modern science shows that definitively multivitamins, for example, doesn't improve health and wellness. Right. So we, you won't have less disease. You won't suffer from disease less. You won't live longer. Right. And so what are we doing? Right. So we believe that one a day is the thing because of a marketing campaign a million years ago. And of course, not to get political as we do, even though we say not to. Um, this is why I believe folks should display empathy for our neighbors that believe what we consider to be absolute rubbish. Right. Because we're susceptible to this, and I draw parallels in the wellness space all the time. Vitamin C helps your immune system. Multivitamins will help you out. You just need one a day. These are the sacred cows that we don't slaughter because we want to treat our animals good, but we should just definitely let them out to pasture and start changing our perspective around this stuff. So um, so that's kind of where I'm at. So do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on this before I move forward? Uh, no, I mean, that's so far it's, you know, just checks out with uh, pretty much everything you've always espoused. Right. Perfect. Okay, good. So we're on the same page. Let's keep digging further. So we, we know that this one a day concept is not based on science and it's a marketing campaign that persists to this day, but let's look at it from a science standpoint, right? So the one a day isn't really giving you much of anything. If you think about what's in a one a day or a multivitamin, there's like 21 to 30 micronutrients tops that you could use, right? A through Z, right? That's what we would see. On average, most of these products have about 15 different micronutrients. A, B, C, D, E, right? We've got those and some minerals. That's basically all we've got. And it's covering micronutrients, which are important, but it doesn't cover any of the other essential nutrients like fats, proteins, probiotics, any of that other stuff, right? So- so this single thing, this one-a-day concept is just micronutrients that they can somehow shoehorn into a single tablet or capsule, and I'll talk more about that in just a second, but you know, by default, we're going to have to take more than one thing because a one-a-day is literally only giving us one pool of the types of nutrients that our bodies actually need. So we're going to always need more than one thing no matter what. So you can't possibly fit 
fish oil into one tablet, right? And we're not even considering that. So we, we're always going to have to have at least a few things just to do the nutrition correctly. Um, so we could see that this is like really, really powerful marketing to convince people that 15 micronutrients, you know, jammed into one pill is going to replace all of your needs. So we should be exploring how these one a day products or these formulas are made to make our life simpler because then you can kind of really kind of cut through the BS, right? So the companies that are choosing these ingredients, they're choosing them not for you. They're choosing them for profit, right? They're not choosing based on what's going to work best. They want to make sure that they're going to make money on it. So they're often using cheap stuff, right? And they're often Definitely. using nutrients that it might be folate, you know, uh, but really it's just folic acid, which is just a cheaper way to do it that our bodies don't really metabolize correctly. And as we said, if we don't metabolize it 100%, it floats around in our blood and it can cause problems, even though it's a quote unquote water soluble B vitamin that is safe, right? So we're getting these nutrients that our body won't readily absorb or utilize. The advantage though, is that it's cheap. And then it's also like a compact car versus an SUV. So these things are tiny and they fit into really tight spaces, making them ideal for the one a day products. So it's almost like you can't have good and small at the same time. Sorry, fellas, but you, uh, you, you can't have the two together. So the company's business case often is put first, not your needs. It doesn't really meet your needs at all because you're barely utilizing it and it's not really helpful anyway. So what also kind of comes into play here, besides the choice of the ingredients, something we talk about a lot is the dose. So how do you jam 20 things into one capsule or tablet and then actually have enough of it to work? So like your one a day might have calcium, but it's often way too little, like 50 milligrams or something like that. When we need closer to like 800 or 900 milligrams on average, right? So it's, <laughs> That's it's, way different. It's a, it's a bit different. So, so I see when people say that they want one a day, it's based on marketing. And when I see those claims of one a day or simplification, I don't see simplicity. I see deception. Um, the forms of nutrients that we can actually utilize take up space, period, end of sentence. So there is no getting around that fact. If you want the types of things that your body can use, it's not going to be a simple one pill a day type thing, right? So I use calcium as an example. Calcium carbonate or even citrate, you can probably get away with one big old tablet two times a day, and that's great. Um, but those forms are poorly absorbed compared to the other forms. And carbonate and citrate aren't really soluble either. And studies show that these forms can contribute to cardiovascular disease over time, right? Mm. And from a does this help my bone standpoint, carbonate and citrate are often no better than doing nothing. Drinking water would be about the same as taking those two products. So if you were looking at the equivalent doses of the forms that I recommend, like MCHA, you would require four capsules minimum, and they would be big ones daily. And that's just for the calcium component of it, because if you think about what most bone supplements are, they're more than just one thing. Again, we're not doing the one thing. We're, we're trying to get a comprehensive multi-nutrient package to help us manage our health and wellness. And a lot of these bone support supplements that are out there will have like calcium, magnesium, zinc, boron, vitamin D, on and on, but they're cutting corners somewhere to get the formula to the target amount so it can fit in a small size, right? So that means that somewhere they're deceiving you to use those poorer forms or even low doses. So dosing is another big kind of consideration for me here. Like omega-3 comes up a ton and a lot of folks, they take one daily, right? 
that's all they want to do because they're big soft gels and they don't want fishy burps, right? So they look at the label and it says a thousand milligrams and their doctor or the internet told them that they want a thousand milligrams, but they're not getting the thousand milligrams of what they really need, which is the EPA and DHA. Instead, they end up only getting about three to 400 milligrams of those two active ingredients. But here's the thing, like taking those, even a thousand milligrams of EPA and DHA, like their doctor said, or the blog said, isn't going to do anything because all of the studies show that you need 3000 milligrams of EPA and DHA a day. And there's no way you're going to shoehorn that into a single one a day pill. You know, you can't get one soft gel. It'll be the size of, I don't know, like, like half a bag of M&Ms, right? So three massive <laughs> soft gels are, is what you'll need in order to get that same amount. They, people would have to take 10 of what they're currently taking. Like we have some fish oil that's close to expiring. So I, I'm just like the shoemaker's kid, right? I get all the expired stuff here. So I'm taking five, 600 milligram fish oils every single day. And oh my God. right. And a lot of people go, oh, that's a lot, but it's really not. I mean, it takes me two seconds to, you know, do that one at a time with a sip of water and no fish burps or anything like that. But, you know, the concept that a lot of people wouldn't do, they don't want to do more than one. They're certainly not going to do five and they're not definitely not going to do 10. Right. Mm. So think about this conceptually too, because we have this weird bias towards less pills, like these magic pills that are delivering all this nutrition in one little tiny pill. Like uh, you put it in the microwave and it turns into a, it's like, it's like back to the future when he puts in that freaking little pizza and it turns into the full, you know, yeah. plate of pizza, right? Like that's what people think is happening when we take pills. That's not what happens. So if you were to try to get 3000 milligrams of EPA and DHA from food, you need like six ounces of like herring, salmon, mackerel, tuna, whatever. Right. And I don't know many people that are eat six ounces in a month, you know, and, and like with a supplement, like you can get it cleaner with just three soft gels and you can get all 3000 milligrams and have to worry about all the mercury and all the dirty stuff that the fish were doing. I mean, they're swimming in their own poop. Think about that for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The ocean is just one giant toilet. Thankfully, because our corporations, at least they made their profit. That's all that I really worry about. Um, uh, yeah, that is the important thing. So you have to take three a day just to get the actual effect and not the one that everyone's advertising. It's going to be giving you so much more. So like I said, there's not a lot of people that are going to eat six ounces of fish oil every single day, but just the cost of that. I mean, how much does fish cost? Probably a bunch. I know it's expensive at a restaurant. We don't buy any for the house because that's gross. It stinks up the whole house for like a week. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's healthy though. So eat fish. I'm not saying that supplements are better than foods. Of course not. But what I'm saying is like, we shouldn't buy these companies BS around what constitutes the right dose. And certainly less is not more at all. So it's rarely going to be one pill of anything. Um, another example, probiotics, right? I, I just want to eat yogurt, right? And please do like healthy, full fat Greek yogurt is a great source of protein and fat. And yeah, it's going to have some calcium in there and I'll have some probiotics. Great. All that's good. But you know, to use yogurt as a source of these nutrients, the probiotics, there's two things that have to happen. The strains and the amounts have to be the same, but they're not. They're going to be variable batch to batch unless the, the yogurt company starts to fortify the stuff with specific doses and strains, right? They're not, they're, not, they're not making it to be a probiotic. They're making it to be yogurt. And that kind of goes into the second part, which is the strains aren't picked for you. They're picked to make yogurt. Uh, they're, they're the ones that ferment stuff really good. And so yogurt to meet the proper dose, you'd probably need like 10 to 16 cups of it every single day. So, oh God. so again, it's a sacred cow. We want food first always. Right. But the, for most of the vital five, at least it's difficult to sub the food for the supplement. Right. 
the foods aren't going to deliver enough and neither will poorly made supplements. So the idea that instead of taking 10 to 16 cups of yogurt a day, you can take one probiotic. That's pretty fantastic because a lot of the time you have to take more than just one pill. So, um, you know, this is the mindset that people should be building here. So we want to take the appropriate amount of supplements or don't bother at all. Period. End of sentence. I personally would love to sell you stuff, but if you're going to take the wrong dose or the wrong forms, it doesn't make much sense, right? It's just empty promises. So it doesn't make sense to just take one of this or that. Um, I don't think so. I think that even listening to these claims really is just more of that wishful thinking, right? I'd gladly sell you any of these products, but I would rather you not take them if you're not getting the right dose or form. So here's my go-to analogy for this. If you have a headache and 500 milligrams of Tylenol helps you, what would you say to me if I gave you four milligrams, right? Hopefully you'd like call me names and like snap my mask back on my face, right? <laughs> Give me a mask wedgie or whatever we would do to beat up nerds these days. Uh, so the sentiment is right. The marketing has us going down the wrong path. Simplification is what we're looking for. In fact, that's what I tell folks. I say we're building people's wellness strategy in a smart and simple manner. Supplements are overwhelming. Supplements are confusing. The industry is a hot mess. We don't even know if this stuff is helping or if it's right for our bodies. And they say, I just want the magic bullet. Give me the quick answer. I want the thing that's going to solve all my problems so I don't have to think about it. And what I'm saying is like, simplification is the answer, but it's not easy. <laughs> uh, just like everything in life, right? What you're being sold is a load of unhelpful, wasteful nonsense. And we need to kind of go past the idea that it's going to be easy to simplify. There are mechanisms, of course, to reduce your supplement burden. And this is where you should focus. So start always with reducing the duplicate and unnecessary, dangerous, or even improperly dosed supplements. Get rid of those, period. Just by doing this, I get rid of like one third to one half of people's regimens just by going through and getting rid of the crap that they don't need or is dangerous to them, right? And so that's a pretty dramatic simplification that makes everything a little bit easier, right? And then the next step would be to figure out where your diet needs the fixins, right? You want to get mm. to this minimum level of competency. And I don't think it's okay that people aren't eating enough calcium-rich food or not eating enough protein, okay? It doesn't make sense to supplement protein. Uh, it makes way more sense to eat it. I say protein is a vital nutrient because a lot of people aren't getting enough protein. It's difficult for them to get the, enough protein. And collagen in particular is a great source of protein that isn't a part of our diet. But I would much rather somebody say to me, I get all the protein I need. That's what I would rather hear, right? Yeah. So, you know, like then we looked at things like omega-3 and say, so what's your fish intake on the, on the daily, right? Uh, you know, twice a week I have fish. Okay. So great. On those two days, take the three soft gels and go to one. Okay. And this is how we simplify our regimens by, by getting rid of the crap and then building up our diet and then only supplementing what we actually need. And multivitamins actually, as I've said a bunch of times before, it's the one thing that I tell folks that they can probably stop unilaterally. Unless you're really, really set on the insurance aspect of a multi, you know, I'm taking this because I want to be 100% sure I'm getting every single micronutrient. There's really no reason to take it. It's not making you healthier. And by all means, I mean, people are doing fine. Like they're, you know, they're, they're already eating everything that they need on a daily basis. So those gaps are, are filled in. 
But again, some people are really sold on this idea of an insurance policy. So then, yeah, you need, you need to take a multivitamin quote unquote. So, so I say all of that stuff to say this, I think that smaller regimens are very important. Simplification is the answer. Smart, simple, strategic approach to supplements. That's what we want to do. So we only want to take supplements that are appropriate, which means that they're the right form and dose for you, which would be different than me, right? Mm. This is based on a number of different factors. Evidence and science needs to be the biggest kind of underlying piece to all of those factors. And I think this 100% reductionist approach down to like a single pill or solution or option is super misleading, right? And I just think it's bad advice. So if you look back through and say, okay, the vital five, I said it was 14 plus powder. If we say, okay, let's strip out to the bare, bare minimum. So omega-3 is going to be three, probiotics is going to be one, vitamin D, that's going to be one, right? The multivitamin, protein, calcium, those are the plus or minus. Men may not need calcium. You might need a, not need a multivitamin. So that's just five, five supplements for basic use. And, you know, so I think that, I think that it's important to understand where a lot of this stuff is coming from to help us make better decisions moving forward. So any thoughts on any of that? Yes, actually, uh, a really good way to track your nutrient intake, especially macros, is by any of the apps that are actually designed to help you lose weight. My fitness pal is the biggest one. I tend to ask people not to use that one because it's partnered with Under Armour and Under Armour supports trophy hunting, which, you know, just crushes my soul. But there are other apps. And of course, if you want to use my fitness pal, go ahead. But um, I found that for like for me personally, because I had been so afraid of carbs for so long that I was actually getting way too much protein. And as soon as I started balancing macros better, uh, you know, tracking it with the app. It was just called Fat Secret, which I yeah. had like buried four pages in on my phone, like on the app screens, because I was like, I hate that name. It's very, it doesn't make me feel good, but it works really well. Um, once I started balancing my macros better, I actually found that uh, I had more energy and more mental clarity and wasn't afraid of as many foods. So that, you know, if you, if you think you're lacking in protein or you just want to see how you're doing, and include, you know, also carbs and fat, that's a really good way to uh, hit your goals every day. Absolutely. Just reinforcing that idea that it comes down to Intel. We need data. We need to understand where we are. The, the compulsion is to go for simple because it's just so overwhelming, but really what we need to do is fight against that compulsion and just be smarter. You know, actually in one of my lectures for supplement school, I teach, you know, cause the answer, the question that I get from practitioners is which brand do I carry? Right. They want to know which one brand is going to be the magic bullet for them. That's going to make them the most money with the least amount of work. And mm-hmm. just like, what's the one supplement I can take to make me feel better. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's not just one brand. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get around the overwhelming nature of starting a wellness practice. You're trying to get away from the confusion that you feel and the insecurity that you feel. And the only way to make your practice substantially strong isn't by picking some brand that people are going to like, it's like not boar's head baloney that sells itself, right? It's, It's really about identifying your marketing engine as the number one go-to thing to 
to bring people into your practice. So while it's not simple, it's not the brand, you know, um, brands will make you feel like it is simple and it's just having that brand. And the real answer is just like with wellness, it takes work, right? It takes more. And so you need totally. to build a marketing engine where people come for you and not for any particular brand. So then that applies directly to supplement use. Okay. So I think that's all I got, but, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I just kind of want to keep these short because, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but my uh, pharmacist is pregnant and like super pregnant, like days away kind of pregnant. So I'm going to be working, uh, every day for about two months, uh, which is not a fun endeavor for me, especially because of all the other stuff I have to do. So I'm going to try to keep these podcasts kind of short. So that way you're kind of used to hearing my voice, but then not these long rambling journeys. So I was wondering how she was doing because yeah. I haven't been in the store in a while and I she's figured gigantic. she was about ready to pop. Yeah. She's like this twig with this huge belly. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to, I'm trying to convince her that Neil is a strong name or just something really manly like Chuck Steak or something like that. <laughs> Chuck Steak. <laughs> you know, Vel Velociraptor, you know, like something like that. <laughs> Anyway, but, um, so, oh, I had, nuts. <laughs> I did have one more thought. Like if you're gonna waste your money on supplements, I really only recommend fiber supplements. Oh, that's okay. I can see why. Why? Well, I mean, it just fiber helps keep you full. It helps the digest digestive tract moving along well. And, um, it, you know, just from my personal readings on like, you know, body types or whatever, especially if you're um, hourglass or pear shaped, that's the best way to help you lose weight if that's your intention. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to waste money on supplements, at least with fiber supplements, you're going to get really good crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the fourth one. <laughs> that's a round of applause, folks. I got her again. I got her again. With my dad joke. <laughs> that was, I think that's the best one so far. Yes. I really didn't see it coming. <laughs> it sounded very authentic. All right, folks, it that's did. it for me. I will come up with another good joke for next time. And uh, stay safe, please. The numbers are going nuts. So put your mask on, be safe, and be well. Be well.